0: to Everything Under the Moon with Mel and Stell. Hello everyone. Uh, We are on our first podcast after six hours. We finally got our equipment (laughs) to work and now we're recording starting at 8.51 p.m. (laughs) (laughs) We are going to be talking today about a woman who was found, a grave that was found in Iceland from the Viking Settlement Age uh, and I'm quoting I'm taking mostly all this information is coming from a scientific paper that came out in 2019 called Tangled Up in Blue. The Death, Dress, and Identity of an Early Viking Age Settler from Kettlstedir, Iceland. Kettles I don't know. It's a it's a farm. It means Kettles Farm in Iceland and it is on the east coast of Iceland. And this woman's grave is really cool. It's one of the most ornate graves they found in Iceland. And some of her skin tissue and teeth was preserved. So we we're able to learn a lot from her remains. So how did they find her? It was a construction
1: project. Uh-huh.
0: So <laughs> here we go. <laughs> <laughs> so they actually damaged one of her brooches like as they were tearing up oh, the road. So sad. So. It is very sad. But, you I know, good I don't they think they would her have her. found like, her. Yeah. I like, guess
1: if that's the price of having to find her, but still it's, it's yeah, a damn
0: shame. It is a damn yeah, shame. Yeah, I hate to see it. I hate to see it. And I think we just need to add a disclaimer, because Norse religion and paganism and history has been infiltrated by fucking Nazis, okay? <laughs> oh. And we do not tolerate Nazis, oh. and we do ha- want nothing to do with Odinism and folkism. There are so many dog it's whistles that I am ignorant to. Shame. <laughs> yeah, it's really horrible. I mean, there are a lot of symbols... And ruins and stuff that have been, you know, taken. There are a lot of historical heritage stuff yeah. that have been basically we just, taken we by we these take hate the,
1: We take the Keanu Reeves philosophy of being excellent to each other. Like, that's... Uh, you yeah, know, like and I we, just... I have absolutely to zero tolerance
0: for it, so... Yeah. Just a little bit about Iceland, like, as a country um, geologically, because that's what I'm into. Uh, they have 200 volcanoes, one of which nice. is currently... Uh, <laughs> Volcanoing, uh, exploding. Yeah, yeah, love it. <laughs> it's uh, going off right now. and uh, Volcano's
1: gonna volcano.
0: You know, I do follow from the show Vikings. We're gonna have to bring it up. Uh-huh. The, um, her name is Gunhild in the show, but her mm-hmm. name is Raga Ragnar, daughter? I don't know. Anyway, I follow her on Instagram. She lives in Iceland. She's Icelandic, and she's just always modeling in front of this, like, this molten lava. She's just, like, standing on a rock, like, I'm so beautiful. And she is. She's like an Amazon woman. I mean, she's like 6'4. I mean, if there's anyone who exemplifies a Viking descendant, it's this woman. Anyway, I have a crush on her. Can that's great. Help? Yeah, I, I feel it. I can, I, it's getting You tense. can feel the energy. Yep, I feel it. But anyway, they have volcanoes. Um, yeah. They have more hot springs and sulfateras than any other country in the world. Oh, that's, that is my thing. Yeah. I'm telling springs. you, the best day so, of my life was when I, at one time,
1: went, um, up to Crystal Park in Montana and went way high up in the mountains, like to the point that you would get out of breath really easily, like just trying to walk around because the air's starting to get thinner. Spent the whole day out there digging these huge ass quartz crystals out of the ground, like just beautiful crystals. And and, like, you just stick your shovel in the ground and they just pop out. And, uh, we collected a bunch of those and then ended the day, uh, at the hot springs. And, they had like several different pools that were all fed by the hot springs and they started at the top at the hottest. And then yeah. as you went down, they got cooler and cooler. And Were they like man-made? These ones were, yes. Yeah. It, it was more like they, they made... So this one in particular on that day was like a man-made one that was fed by the water mm-hmm. of the springs. Um, but I've also been to ones where they just kind of cemented yeah, the they're springs. Just... They, they just turned the spring itself into... Like a pool, oh, just yeah. kind of dug. Like you yeah, know?
0: I went to some in New Mexico that were like like spas almost. Yeah. you know, like they piped it in and then they had like gravel. And then I went to some in, I went to one in Utah that was literally just nice. like a lava hole oh, yeah. in the ground, They're and like someone had actually Nigeria. died there. <gasps> like a guy. They warned you not to like dive, not to go like put your head under, basically. Oh, no. So like the top was wide and a bunch of people could get in it. And we went. It was packed. It was like it was like fifteen of us and like twenty other Mexican families in this one. Like nice. everyone was like literally face to face. Now thinking about COVID, it just sounds terrifying. But, right, it's all the lens,
1: huh? They're looking at it, the whole world, really. I know
0: it's a whole different perspective now, but yeah, they told you not to like get your feet stuck because this guy got his foot stuck diving down. He drowned. It was terrifying. Oh my gosh. So anyway, hot springs <laughs> are always a thing. Like don't if you're ever in a
1: hot spring in Iceland, if you're ever out traveling and you have an opportunity to do hot springs, I would definitely don't pass it up. Oh, the a...
0: only native land mammal at the time of Viking settlement in Iceland was the fox.
1: That's amazing.
0: So, yeah, I don't know what they were eating. Maybe they were eating fish and stuff. and like,
1: I bet the woods smelled terrible. The woods? Yeah. What do you mean? With the fox fox piss? Like the worst smell? <laughs> I, don't I don't know. know. When I, okay, foxes are one of those animals. So when I think of them, I think of how stinky
0: their piss they is. They are. And then there's people <laughs> who try to keep them in their house. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God, your house is covered That's in insanity.
1: piss. It's so like, So basically the only mammal running around is foxes.
0: Yeah, and they had uh, the only forest was aspen, or sorry, birch forest. What year? So it was what
1: year? T- what time time frame are we in again?
0: Uh, the first settler supposedly came in eight seventy four, so eight hundred seventy four. Eight. So there was a settlement found uh, on the east coast of Iceland near where the woman in blue was buried, and um, it's dated to the early eight eight hundreds. Sounds so weird just saying. A three digit number. <laughs> the eight hundreds. So my theory on there's a lot of different theories on how they got there. Um basically I, I think that the Norse probably had temporary settlements. And I got this idea from this paper. This is not my my genius shining through. Yeah. Um I agree with these people that they probably had seasonal, like summer uh establishments on Iceland and then would go back for the winter before they permanently settled there. I mean it just makes more sense, logically. Sure. Yeah. Um so that's kind of how they got there. There's a lot of reasons that the Vikings came. You know, they were escaping taxation by King Harold Finehair. Uh there wasn't a lot of land, farmable land in Scandinavia, so they were just searching for land to farm, you know, because the Vikings were really just farmers mm-hmm. who would go raiding as like a hobby. <laughs> like nice. that's where Viking comes from. It's a it's Vikinger is the technical word or the Old Norse word. and it just meant where it was a verb. It was like, we're going to go Vikinger. Like, we're going to raid and pillage and go steal some shit. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. She's buried with a lot of Freya-type goods. So um, they kind of theorize in the paper that I'm reading that uh, she was probably a worshiper of Freya. And uh, we'll tie into my theory And Freya. for the
1: uninitiated, who's Freya? Uh,
0: Right. Freya is a Norse goddess of war, love, women's magic, uh, all beautiful jewelry. Sex. Sex, uh, all kinds of great, the best stuff in life, really. Um, Probably chocolate, too, knowing her. Yeah, right, like all the goodies in life. Um, Versace robes. She is known to uh, have a chariot of cats pulled by Norwegian forest cats. Love it. Uh, And when her husband is away, she cries tears of gold for him. Wow. There's a 68% probability that the date of her birth was between 891 and 965 AD, so the the earliest settlers came in 874. Um, that's the like recorded date. So she was born well after the first settlers, and then the people from the 800s were like way before her, like those temporary settlers. So well, let's get into it. Let me start looking. I'm keep staring well, at my notes. Get, get technical. Yeah. Um, get technical. Awesome. When she was found in nine in 1938. She was, from the clothes that that were preserved, they assumed that uh, she was a Norse woman who was of Viking descent, and that okay. was what they assumed about her. It's only in 2015 when they found her uh, skin and teeth that had been preserved were they able to tell that um, her diet had been different and not necessarily that of a normal Norwegian person. They also made some inferences from her jewelry. Uh, we'll later talk about the jet that she was found with that are, you know, from the Scottish Isles. And we know that there were Viking settlements in the Scottish Isles around that time. So, yeah, this is kind of in the point of the Viking pyramid period. It's kind of at its peak, at least in my opinion. Like, the Vikings in England and Ireland, um, they only really lasted for about 200 years after that. And then in 1100, uh, King Harold I think I think the Viking period technically ends when King Harold uh, like change, does, converts to Christianity mm-hmm. and they stop like they become one country rather than a bunch of because before they were they were just like a bunch of little tribes and clans like mm-hmm. going out on Viking raids like Viking raids were probably just like six or seven or you know, that's probably a small amount but like 10 to 15 guys you know the clan we always see on TV like these epic and they battles. were just
1: assimilated, huh?
0: Yeah, yeah I mean, they just were go. kind of grouped into one country, yeah. and the the country technically converted to Christianity, but, you know, there was, I'm sure there yeah. was a weird yeah. hybrid for about 500 years, mm-hmm. because, and obviously a lot still carried over. I'm sure over. that
1: was a really pleasant time to be around, religious upheaval.
0: Oh, God. I'm honestly, that's one of the things I'm very happy for <laughs> in our modern world, is that there is religious strife, but there isn't like in my personal life. I'm kind of privileged, yeah I, yeah. I
1: guess, yeah. And I don't have to deal
0: with it. That's that's what this comes down to. Yeah. Well, that's great. There's a kind of a special reason why we have found some of her skin. You know, obviously, this is a thousand years old, and you don't just find a thousand year old teeth in the ground. They decompose way before that happens, um, and especially in Iceland, the soil is especially. I think they said acidic, and it just it it eats up remains really fast literally eats it up her jaw and cheek were preserved because when she was laid on her left side in the ground the uh, brooch that pinned her apron to her smock uh, fell against her face and cheek and uh, that preserved the fabric that was attached to the brooch the the copper alloy is what preserved the fabric in her skin. Yeah, but... it has,
1: like, antimicrobial properties, right? Exactly. That's amazing that it was able to preserve flesh, cloth, and teeth for hundreds of years.
0: Yeah, and I... <laughs> it doesn't even sound believable. It's like, no, you're, you're it, kidding me. Yeah, it it doesn't sound real, and it blows my freaking mind. I mean, I just... Obviously we're doing this whole thing about it because it's just so cool. So yeah, it preserved the fabric that was attached to the pin of the brooch and part of her cheek and one of her teeth or some of her teeth and put that in a jar of formaldehyde and then found it again later. And um, we can tell a lot of things from her teeth. So they basically can tell when she moved to Iceland because of how her diet changed. Uh we know that yeah, this is a tooth that formed when she was two to three years old, and they calibrate their their estimations for that age, and they think that she was raised on a terrestrial protein diet, you know, so terrestrial land mammals are what mm-hmm. she's eating. At between the ages of five to ten, her diet significantly changed from terrestrial protein to half marine and half terrestrial protein. So she's essentially eating half fish now. Okay. So um, they presume they make a couple assumptions. Let me talk about her clothes a little bit first. because So you should just know um, that's what they assumed from her teeth physically. There were four types of fabric found attached to her brooch, which kind of speaks to her wealth. Um, the first type they determined was a cirque. And that's the word for like an undershirt, you know, like a linen kind of smock. Like it was really what women wear for, wore for thousands of years under their fancy dresses was like a linen underdress. Um, they found a smocker, which is, you know, that apron pinafore thing that we mm-hmm. see on Vikings. And that was dyed blue with woad.
1: Like uh, like a Raggedy Ann. Yes, exactly. That's always what I think of when someone mentions
0: that kind of. Piece of clothing. You know, I wonder if that has any significance. I have no idea if Raggedy Ann has Scandinavian roots. (laughs) You know, because the pinafore apron thing is a traditional German thing too. What about the gingham too? The gingham. It's gingham and gingham is like a nineteen forties American thing.
1: Yeah, that's what I figured. I just
0: always really loved Raggedy Ann and Raggedy Andy when I was younger. They're cute. (laughs) Thanks. I always thought they were creepy, but to each his own. The apron is decorated with the wool tab band which has the cream and brown stripe um, that we know was like an Icelandic type of um, weave. So there was another type of fabric found, uh, which was a herringbone twill, uh, which is kind of fancy. And Sounds like it. They don't know whether that was another part of her apron. Like her apron had several types of fabric in it, or if it was a shawl that was so decomposed they couldn't identify. Um, But overall, four different types of fabric and it's kind of cool. So the clothes are woven in different ways. like the, And the way the yarn is spun is in different tradition and technique. And I don't know a ton about spinning yarn. Um, but her linen cirque was made in a Norwegian spin way. It's called a ZZ spun type and uh, a diamond twill. And that was Norwegian. So that could have been imported you know, from Norway or the British Isles made by Norwegian hands. Um, but also some of her clothes were made with a ZS spun technique, which was typical to the British Isles in Ireland. So, you know, she could have had family. So because of all of this, uh, they conclude that um, she could have been born in the northern Scottish Isles in a Viking colony or traveled there as a very young child uh, from Norway and then obviously traveled to Iceland between five or ten years old. Or she might have been of mixed blood and born into a Viking settlement on the Scottish Isles. The date on the young woman's tooth is consistent with her arrival at any time during uh, the period of settlement into the late 10th century. Um, Yet the dates on the clothes in which she was buried strongly suggest that she was either a very early immigrant or a valued member of a community in Eastern Iceland who dressed her for death in clothes that had been woven there using the wool of sheep from local flocks at the start of its settlement. So she was either there at the very beginning and was using clothing made just out of the first sheep because that's her time, uh-huh. or she was so important that, like you said, they those clothes were for her, like they were intentionally given to her for some Yeah. Some reason,
1: I mean, you know, they have to go to a lot of like clothes equal man hours and resources like precious, precious resources, like to a degree that we can't even comprehend anymore.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah. And I we said this the other day when we were talking about this in the beginning that what you know, no matter what this woman's life actually entailed, the way that she is displayed in her death um, says a lot about who is presenting her and who they're presenting it to some modern stuff about Iceland, I guess Um, they are today uh, in agriculture. They are self-sufficient in terms of fresh food and dairy products. So that's kind of cool. Uh, They're also, you know, all of their like major cities are powered with like geothermal energy and stuff, but uh, they do have like the highest emissions, of, like, any country or something like that. I can't remember the exact statistic. But they they use a lot of energy despite, you know, their, like, clean energy practice. So, uh, who knows what's going on in Iceland. It's kind of, it's amazing that such a small country would carry that weight, you know. Uh,
1: my favorite fact about Iceland is that it is the only place in the world that you can watch the continental crust spreading. And you can actually uh, stand in touch like those two main pieces of the earth's crust. crust at the same time like the pacific and atlantic at the same time or something like that or it's two different continents like you're touching yeah. north america
0: and england or europe at the same time i'm trying to i've seen pictures of that like a big snowy crevice and people like jumping over it essentially yeah you know iceland is on my list of places to go like it is an amazing i really want to see the puffins uh, there's, like, puffins that nest there yearly. Oh, my God, I want to see puffins puff- so bad.
1: Puffins are um, big in Alaska, too. And that's actually, um, and that's where I'm from, uh, just for everybody else. Uh, but at all of the diners and everything, they used to have these signs all the time that would have a puffin on it. And it would have a puffin with a cigarette in its mouth and say, no puffin
0: i love that <laughs> instead
1: of no smoking creative as shit <laughs> yeah, was so cute alaska is a cute place and a terrifying place but also a cute place
0: i feel like that's half of its charm it's got like this cottage core horror vibe oh absolutely cities in alaska or something
1: i want to say part of the horror of the story was the isolation too like i think it was fairbanks because i think you had to take an airplane yes. to get in and out which is the only way you can get to fairbanks yes is by plane that's crazy
0: Let's get to the lady in blue. Um, like I said, she was found in 1938 when they were constructing a road uh, near a farm in eastern Iceland. Where were they building it to? I don't know where it was going.
1: Okay. That's a good question. All right. No one ever talks
0: about that. Yep. They just
1: say they were building it. They just say they were building it.
0: Yeah, okay. no No information on that.
1: Well, there is a, there's a conspiracy theory incoming on this one, guys yeah. and girls. Oh. I just think it's a little weird that we know that they were building a road in 1938, but we don't know where they were building it to. (laughs) Chime in in the comments if we ever get any. (laughs) And tell me if you think this is bullshit or you have a better idea. I'll quote,
0: In 1938, workers disturbed her burial during road construction at the farm of Kettlstadier, Stadier, Stadier, I think that's what it is, Kettlstadier, Soon after, the grave was excavated by the National Museum of Iceland, revealing the partial remains of a young woman, buried with the items of Viking Age Norse clothing and dress. For many years, no one questioned her identity or affiliation, assuming that she was a Norse woman based on the objects that accompanied her. Her burial could be considered among the wealthiest from Iceland's settlement period, 1870 to 930 A.D., due to her relatively abundant 870
1: seventy, I'm, I'm
0: sorry. 870 yeah not 1870 870 it's weird you can't get yeah. used to like three, three digit years like oh, it I'm feels really weird she kind of was forgotten about and they rediscovered uh, a jar of formaldehyde and this woman's partially preserved uh, jaw and cheekbone essentially they found a part of her jaw with a tooth and some mandible flesh which is your, uh, your jaw and mouth um and they found that in 2015. They just found it in the basement of, like, the Icelandic museum. Yeah, it was up. just chilling down there in formaldehyde. Yeah, like, what else do they have in the bottom of all the fucking basements? You know, I there's an I love Astonishing Legends. We're going to quote them in our very first uh, sure. show. Shout out um,
1: to Astonishing Legends.
0: Shout out. They're the pod fathers. They're amazing. <laughs> they do this episode on Kincaid's cave, and it's this guy uh, who, like, early or late 1800s went to Arizona supposedly on this trip and found this cave with like Oriental artifacts in it and stuff. And they like debate whether it's like a prank or whether it really happened, but they talk about how stuff goes missing all the time. Like, and that people like, it's not a system, you know, no one's looking over them all the time. They're just put on a shelf And documented that they're there. And it's crazy what can be found if we, like, dig through the basements. If we had the funding, probably. It's probably a funding issue like everything else is, right?
1: Yeah. You know it. This was fascinating. And um, I took note of how she was found because it was just so cool to imagine. Um, According to the article, the lady was found, and I quote, resting on her left side in a flexed position... Her knees and hips were bent, and the left side of her face touched one of the two oval brooches that would originally have been located on her breast. Other grave goods included a trefoil brooch, 42 beads, textile fragments, two whetstones, bone fragments of either a comb or a knife handle, a spindle whorl, and a stone of unusual shape, which proved to be fragments of Chalcedony. Chalcedony. So I, I, uh, I had to go look up what that rock was and apparently it's a type of silica so it looks like a creamy cloudy quartz crystal though and it's really really beautiful and I'm obsessed with rocks and quartz
0: crystal and so I had to definitely check that out. So let's talk a little bit about her jewelry. That was awesome, by the way, thank you. Sorry, I was just distracted. The sound is so dismissive, like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Shut up, Stella. (laughs) No, okay, I love you. I know that she had 42 beads, which is quite a lot, and uh, beads are specific to Icelandic graves. Um, Like Norse Viking Age graves don't often include beads, but they are basically a requirement of an Icelandic, or not requirement, what's the word? They uh, always show up in a tradition. Yes, it's traditional. Um, just like, you know, the women's brooches that are like in every Viking age grave, essentially. Um, they, they kind of think, oh, that's what I wanted to say earlier. They kind of think that these brooches uh, might be like a wedding ring. Like a status indicator, okay. like that, you know, like that's the Makes ubiquity sense. of it. Like, and remember earlier we were talking, we we recorded a whole episode and then realized that our audio sucked, so we oh to, yeah we had to re-record it. <laughs> I already um,
1: blocked that out in my memory.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it didn't. It happen. did not happen. <laughs> didn't. Um, but we talked about you know what if someone like like found one of our skeletons in a grave in you know a thousand years. What would be? How would they determine our wealth or our culture? And it would probably be our jewelry, right? Like that's the one thing that a lot of people are buried with is like maybe their wedding ring or like some some either something beautiful, even if it wasn't necessarily uh, personal to them. But that's because that's how we bury people in our culture. And it's, I just that's what I love so much about this story is like imagining what she how she was as a real person. I mean, I'm an I was a historical interpreter for a long time, and you learn how to get into. People, like historical people's frames of mind. And that's what I love so much is just imagining what this woman's life was really like. Uh, I have a theory that, I mean, after what we've read and
1: kind of putting a context um, to what would have been going on around her in her life, I feel like she was some sort of spiritually significant um, person. Like, some, I can't, I don't have any proof for this, but I just get the feeling that she was like a seer or, you know, some sort of wise woman, maybe somebody that had been picked for it from birth. And like that could also explain how, um, which I don't know if we mentioned this or not, but her clothes are older than she is. Mm-hmm. So the clothes that she are, she's wearing are like particularly designed for a burial purpose and they are actually older than the woman who's wearing them. Which opens up all of these questions of, you know, where did those clothes come from? What's the significance of that? Like, why hold on to something for so long to use it for this? Which, if she were some kind of, maybe, let's say, mythical figure or uh, mystical figure in society, um, that maybe it was something that had been decided from birth. Maybe it was, uh, you know, maybe there had been some sort of sign and uh, that was to be her fate. But it's really sad to think of her being, uh, dying obviously in the spring of her beauty, like her bloom. Yeah, I, I wonder she, what she would have gone on to be.
0: They estimate that she was, uh seventeen to twenty five when oh, she died. And the best time. Yeah, I mean the prime of your of your life. I mean, especially in that era when you probably lived just a little bit shorter. I don't. Their lifespans weren't horribly short. Um, but. Yeah, I, God, I had something amazing to add that to that, and I totally lost it. Well, oh, can I tell you my my theory? Yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a little less mundane, but still a very important, like cool to me theory. Sure. I think that she might have been. Um, I don't think that she might have. I don't think she might have been a Viking woman, like from Norway. I think she was probably born in Scotland in a Viking colony. Maybe she was half you know, Scottish, maybe she was the daughter of a slave or a slave herself. Uh, I believe that she became a married woman living in a Norse culture who adopted the culture and that she was a very powerful woman. Uh, So they called uh, some in some parts of, you know, Scandinavian culture, they called women who ran, you know, like large households and who were important. They called them Freyas. Um, because you were essentially like this idealized version of your of your goddess. Um, because that was Freya's domain was the household and being this idealized feminine thing. Which mm-hmm. I think is really empower- empowering and I really love that. Um, so I think that this woman and her Freya-like uh, grave goods maybe just represent this woman who was really uh, valued in her society no matter where she came from. The
1: head of the family.
0: Yeah, exactly. The matriarch, you know, even... even very
1: young matriarch. Even at
0: 23, she could have had several children already and been running a house. So, I mean, I don't think she was... I don't know if she was super powerful, but I think that she was really well-respected. And we're back. I love that so much. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Okay, uh... So I want to talk a little more about the jewelry on the Lady in Blue. Um, some of her beads were made of jet and uh, or lignite. And uh, jet was found only found in southern Scotland and England, I guess, at the time. And she also had a large amber bead, which they think um, might have come out of England. There was around um, actually Viking Jorvik. There was like amber mines, which is kind of cool. Uh, Freya's necklace bring bring in some. Men. I'm butchering <laughs> all these words. Bringing some men. No, nope, that's even worse than before. Uh, it's made of either amber or gold. They think so in the myths. So that's kind of cool. So yeah, she um, has that connection to Scotland, and so they kind of make this conclusion uh, at the end. They'll wrap everything up nicely, but they essentially say that she she was probably born in. Scotland or uh, moved there as a very young woman so
1: oh yeah you know I actually um, I looked a little bit into this too and I think it all fits into you know the uh, let's just say uh, suffice to say it makes sense Mm-hmm. Okay, that's all I want to say for now. It makes sense. Um,
0: before I... I, mean, I want to describe her brooches a little more because the symbology is really cool. But I also want to quote this last paragraph about the jewelry because I think you'll really love it. Um, right on. So they say, uh, The piece of Chalcedony in or near the hands of the Kittelstadier woman potentially also points towards beliefs in the symbolic or amuletic properties of stones. Its blue shade is a color commonly associated with death and burial in Norse contexts, uh, and it is known as the ghost stone in Icelandic. They do imply that she might have like some spiritual, you know, beliefs. So I actually did
1: go in and look up just some of the mystical properties of the stone, and uh, the first result on, result on Google says that it is a nurturing stone that promotes brotherhood and goodwill. It absorbs negative energy. It brings the mind, body, emotions, and spirit into harmony. Um, and it instills feelings of benevolence and generosity. And my main question though would be, is that ac- according to who? You Because know, I, I mean, yeah. how common is this rock? I mean, is this is, it looks to me from the pictures, it looks like it would be found on every continent in the world.
0: Yeah, but and that's- It's a type of silica, so it can't be that uncommon, right? Yeah that's my thing with most crystals is like these and a lot of witchcraft honestly like the meaning that we place on a certain herb crystal piece of metal like whatever it is that is entirely what we make it like I think that what you mm-hmm. believe makes it true and so the meanings don't really mean anything yeah if that makes sense yeah it makes. and so that's sense. really cool but you also can't Say that that's what it meant to her because yeah her culture could have had a completely different understanding of rocks and crystals and
1: well when you say it that way it also kind of hits me like you know you can never guess why you, you can true. never really guess why somebody does something
0: that's why it's so hard because we're human beings <laughs> in anthropology you know because we're human beings and, and everything we made have up. we have creative minds that make <laughs> things up and and make new cultures and ideas and. In this society, we we can learn all we want about what we found and what we have written down, but we have zero idea what it was like to actually live in it and the intricacies of it. And that's what's so cool about it, you know? <laughs> oh, and blue is interesting because blue is like a color of burial, they think, um, and death. In Scandinavian culture, something like 65% of women buried in Iceland are wearing blue and 31% of men. So that's pretty cool. Who knows? I mean, I wonder if blue was just like a formal color or if it actually means death, you know, because like yeah. our perspective is different.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm also imagining like the. I'm still just I can't get over how the fact that those clothes that she's buried in are older than her. It makes me wonder like, yes, did she? carry them with her throughout her life? Mm-hmm. Um, or do you think, uh, you know, like taking it from settlement to settlement, which obviously, you know, I, I know we've talked about before that uh, they know from drilling into one of her teeth and her jawbone yeah. um, all of the various times in which her diet changed throughout her life. So I wonder, did she take those clothes with her at every mm. point in her life? Is it something that she was gifted as a child? Or is there was there some kind of community chest? sort of thing where they kept these things and uh but you know because you never know who's going to be first or who's going to. yeah and
0: you know there is significant trade network i mean that's what the vikings were about they were traders yeah like so there are goods that she has that they say like some of her beads where they're like these are clearly from the mediterranean but we don't know if this woman went to the mediterranean we can't say because she definitely had access to all kinds of goods like that. And that's what I was just getting to with her clothes. This is perfect. Um, right. So she was wearing four different types of textiles, or that's what they found. Four different types of textiles were identified. Um, and they probably, they think there was a fifth type, ident- likely, but um, they're not sure, which is kind of crazy. You know, I mean, that's a lot of clothing that's items to be buried for in. Sure. Do you think that there was ever, like, concern about burying people in usable items Like, I mean, it obviously had to be a prosperous community, right? If they're not, like, saving clothing for other people to wear. Like, they're burying someone in perfectly good clothing. I guess if that's such a part of your religious practice, you wouldn't even think about it.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it's natural. You know, there's even... We're not even the only mammals that bury their dead with reverence and, you know... I mean, I think the symbolic... I think that's actually part of when they started to define us as human as we know it, right? Um, The first uh, signs of early ritualistic practices in humans of burying burying people with tools. Yeah. Um, And, you know, things like that. And I know there's even pits where they would throw the bodies into pits and they would throw, like, maybe their own tools... Or, you know, something connected to them
0: down into the pit with Did you... I just saw the other day, I should have read the article and saved it, but I saw an article about a woman, they found like a cave woman, Mm -hmm. who was buried with a puppy, like she was buried with her head resting on her dog. And it's like with the earliest example of uh, domestication. Yeah. It's really beautiful. It makes me want to be buried with my dog. I think I'm going to, like if my puppies die, I'm going to cremate them and then have their ashes. Buried with me. Is that creepy?
1: Uh, I don't judge anybody on that kind True. of stuff. I mean, no. like There's so many different... There's no normal. Yeah. There, it's all made up. Everything's fake. So, Absolutely everything we do is made up.
0: Yeah, nothing matters. We're just <laughs> apes on a rock, <laughs> Meat bags. <laughs> <laughs> but she was buried in blue, like I said, which is a color commonly found in death. Um, she did have... A lot of her bead. they were... Yellow, or probably made to look gold or bronze when she was wearing them, but then now they look yellow. And that was a color highly strongly associated with Freya. So, just a little more evidence that so she might have been a worshiper of Freya, or you know, in some way, some way important when it came to um, that part of their religion.
1: You got more to say? I want on to go clothes? back to our
0: brooches because their brooches are amazing. They like so, these are the ubiquitous brooches that like you see on any historical reproduction we found them in a ton of viking graves all over the place and they're huge they're kind of oval shaped the symbolism of these things is awesome like so it seems a little crude when i first heard about it i was like oh wow that's kind of like gross <laughs> but they're basically they symbolize like a second set of nipples nice. like so they rest either on the tops of your breasts or like right above mm-hmm. and it's like to represent fertility you know because it's like a sow like I guess Freya was associated with a sow, it, you know, because nice. they have lots of litters. Like, it seems weird now, but I guess if you just lots think of it. Lots of titties, milk. It's just our people. weird association with pigs now. Yeah. Like, we, they probably didn't have those associations. Mm-hmm. But um, but anyway, the, so they're beautiful. And her brooches aren't even, like, the most ornate, they say. <laughs> I haven't seen all of them, but they say that they're just, like, a common pair. But they look super cool. They have um, nine was kind of a really special number, in Scandinavian religion, and they have originally like nine little like teats on them. It looks <laughs> like, um, and this is you can see where the one was damaged by the construction. They like pointed out because it's missing some things on it. But take it like look at them, they're just so ornate. And they were probably golden at one point, like they were bronze to look like golds. They used uh, tissue from one of her teeth to estimate her time of death and to assess whether the clothes were um, contemporary to her burial or heirlooms uh, given to her as a ritual. Um, the, dental was ta- the dental sample was taken from a tooth that formed when the woman was two to three years old. Um, and, you know, there's like a whole page of what they actually did to it with all of these like chemical names and stuff. And I just, it's very intense.
1: That's wild.
0: It's really interesting
1: yeah. to like really get into the core.
0: Honestly, like they really, you know, it's cool that study. they laid all that out. Yeah. That's what I love about scientific papers is that usually, I mean, you don't have to be that into it, but if you want to deep dive, you can deep dive. Um, yeah. So they talk about how like terrestrial animals, like the sheep sometimes grazed on seaweed and like seaweed isotopes uh, age differently than grass isotopes. And so like they get into that. It's just really crazy. So, um, the date from the woman's tooth originally suggested, suggested she was born before, uh, AD 900, but, uh, her clothes, let me see. They uh, remodel that number based on that seaweed. So, like, the seaweed fucks it up, I guess. <laughs> like, the seaweed, like, because it ages differently, it messes with their numbers. To so be they- honest, seaweed's kind of bitchy. I, you know, okay, so I tried seaweed. Like, my friend Matthew at work, he was like, I love roasted, crunchy seaweed. And I was like, oh, that sounds good. So next time I went to Kroger, they had, like, a do- on the clearance rack, it was, like, a dollar of this little, like, sample lunch pack of dried seaweed with, like, salt on it. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, great. So I tried it. Fucking disgusting. It tastes (laughs) like fish skin. Like, and not even like trout skin, which I can eat. Like, it just tastes like fish.
1: Well, I wouldn't judge all of it like that, though, because some some types of seaweed that you can um, buy from the store just taste kind of crunchy and salty and sort of like, you know, inert. Yeah. Just like crunchy and salty and like can actually be a pretty, pretty good choice. I'll have to
0: try seaweed on a different day.
1: I like the black kind. Like
0: I, I, don't know. I don't know if that's like a kind, but it's like very you know, dark colored. I've never seen more than one type of seaweed, but I wouldn't doubt that there's a whole litany of seaweed you can eat.
1: There's some of the craziest seaweed it used to wash up on the beaches in Alaska. I'm not sure. It Did still you does. eat it? <laughs> it just uh, no, I wouldn't eat it. But there were these ones that it was like kelp, I think, and it was had this huge bulb at the bottom. It looked like a humongous pale sea green onion like it had like a big bulb with like little right. hairs it on, on it, it. <laughs> and uh, exactly and uh we used to swing them around and they were like full of fluid and we would like they were dead and washed up you know so we would just yeah. swing them around and then smack it and you could smack like the bulb part of it on the ground and it would like all this liquid would come out and, and just, just like Go everywhere was so satisfying. <laughs> and the splunk noise. Oh,
0: I used to love smashing hedge apples, like Osage orange fruit. Like they're those big, brainy looking green fruits. Oh, they're so much fun to run over with cars and shit. Oh, that's Ooh. cool. Or little hellions. Yes, destruction. I love uh, it. <laughs> so they kind of sum up her clothing here. And they say um, that they can, they approximately can date her a date of birth uh, with a 68% probability that she was born between 891 and 965 AD. So born in that settlement period. And they think that she um, was probably born either in Norway or in the British Isles and then moved between the ages of uh, five to 10 to Iceland because her, her diet significantly changes from, from terrestrial protein to about half and half marine protein and terrestrial protein, which suggests, you know, that she's moving to a more, a marine protein environment. Oh, That was a long one. I like it. I like um, it a lot. But the kicker's the kicker. But there's war. Wait. Uh, oh, I remember Billy Mays. It's so sad how Billy he died. Here. Yeah. Rest in peace, Billy Mays. Rest anyway. Rest in peace, King. Uh, the clothes that she was buried in uh, were probably woven well before she was born as many as 50 to 60 years before she was dressed in them for her burial. Um, So, you know, even if, even at the earliest dates of her birth, they're still, you know, older than her, which brings, you know, back to your point, like why was she buried in these? Um, Her jewelry was current at the time of her death. And even if, like I said, even if she was born at that late time, it's only 10 to 20 years old still her clothing are so.
1: I mean, it could also make a lot of sense that she had some connection to, like, uh, merchants or traders.
0: You know, yeah, exactly. And that, that could have offered
1: her um, a variety of garments of various ages as well as, um, you know, mo- the most contemporary fashions, it yeah. sounds like.
0: And they say, uh, in, you know, a lot more eloquent and longer words, um, that her burial has a lot of elements of two cultures, you know, or three cultures, so... She was, she is typically buried in Norse you know, tradition, she, and we thought she was a Nor- uh, Norse one for many years because you know, she wears the same style of clothing, she has the brooches, she has the beads, um, that is all Norse culture, but she has these uh, Scottish uh, jet beads that only come from Scotland, um, and she's also buried in a similar style in Scottish burials, maybe some of her family was from there. Um and they kind of speculate on worthiest clothes, uh, heirlooms, maybe that were supposed to reflect her diversity in her family. So I don't know. They don't. They could say that she could be anyone. You know, she could have been a slave. She could have been an important woman. She could have just been a, you know, an average person. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? I want to know what you think.
1: Do you want to know what I think, or do you really want to know what I think? Both. <laughs> okay. Well, I think that she's somebody that we can only ever speculate about, um, but what we can know about her that leads to even bigger and better questions. I love the world that it opens up, mm-hmm. and um, it could be any one, any one way in which you begin to trace the entirety of human history. Um, and I just like to think about the things that kind of don't change, like there's so many things in common, that you know that I feel like persist. Like I just would love to be buried like that if I was gonna be buried. You know, I, I that would be wonderful to have. I mean, I love rocks. And heirloom rocks. heirloom clothing. <laughs> That's what I'm getting at. Really, is like yeah, obviously emul- she and I both love shiny things. Yeah, and I, heirloom. I, I I've got crystals. I'd love to be buried with you know, and so. It's just it really, It really speaks cool. a lot
0: to, like, this kind of modern trend, too, of, like, local stuff. You know, she was buried in this clothing that was shorn from sheep from the very first flocks raised there by her people. And that kind of says something, and it it speaks a tiny little bit to me going to the farmer's market and, like, eating food grown, yeah. you know, on the land that I live on. Like, yeah. it's kind of, I don't know gives me those vibes
1: i get the sense though too with obviously as much as she had traveled she was clearly very well traveled and yeah. uh y- you know and as a child too
0: yeah like, like traveling but, as, a ch- as a child ex- that's exactly crazy.
1: and that's why i was suggesting like maybe the connection to being a merchant because like mm-hmm. a merchant family because then that would make sense why you know it would just be an easy way to explain why a child would be traveling around so, one final observation that I wanted to make about the lady in blue, like, given that her clothes were on fleek, given that, um, you know, she was just obviously stunting, like, from the grave. Um, and she, she traveled, she, we know that she traveled a lot, um, and that she was very obviously a very worldly, very well-traveled person. What I'm trying to say is, I'm pretty sure that if she were alive today, she would be an Instagram influencer. And I feel like if that, if that was a thing, like back in the day, I feel like people would be following her on Instagram and like, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it seems kind of glib to say something like that, but then it actually does, I think lead to this interesting mental exercise of thinking about what, what kind of things would she post? Like, what were the sites that she saw? Cause we know that she traveled like so many places and, and did so oh. many things.
0: I would just, you know. Well, don't
1: you wish you could follow her Instagram?
0: (laughs) I would just die to see. Like, it's a dream of mine to see a lot of untouched places. You're right. It would be so amazing. You know what I think is more impressive is the fact that a young child sailed across a motherfucking ocean in, like, a long ship. I really want to ride on a long ship one day. I really want to go to that Norway. They have a museum. Do they
1: do that? Well, there, there was
0: scientists who, like, made one. There's a YouTube video. We should link it where people, they recreate one and then they go sailing. And it looks dangerous as hell. Like, it looks like you could just fall out of the boat at any minute. And I'm just imagining, like, a bunch of little girls, like, whee! Like, <laughs> like oh, I, I can't even imagine. Can I give you my thoughts? Sure. I think... This is going to sound so dorky. I think it's almost more romantic to imagine that she was just a really beloved woman in her community. Like, I think that... God, you're looking at me like, fuck, that's oh, so boring. <laughs> no, no, no. No,
1: I was just going to say, por no los dos.
0: What's that mean?
1: That means, why not both?
0: Well, yeah, exactly. No, I just... And I'm focusing less on the mythical aspect of it. I'm focusing more on, like... I think it can be said for sure that she was very well-respected in her community and that she had probably accomplished things. And I think that's awesome that, you know, this this much time later, what is it, 2,000 years or 1,000 mm-hmm. years, that's what we can infer about her, you know, is her power.
1: Yeah. Like cool. how
0: cool, how cool to be at your bones accidentally stumbled upon one day. <laughs> Say she was, you know, a great Freya, or a lady of a house mm-hmm. who... um, Maybe she died, you know, having a kid or like in some, in some honorable way. And they wanted to honor her the best way they could, you know, and this was just the way they, you know, like in some really special clothing. I don't know. I mean, it could be something as mundane as that. It's so amazing
1: that um, this woman in blue is able to uh, tell us so about so many different facets of a people and a culture and a time and a place Um, So I guess we were just really lucky that um, she wasn't destroyed and that um, she was able to tell her story.
0: I agree. I think that she can just, I love that she teaches us so much about her culture and her exact point in time. And like, I mean, what kind of fate that preserved, you know, her teeth just so we could learn that much about her. So thanks for listening to Everything Under the Moon with Mel and Stell.